Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Bobby Flint. I'm Maggie Flint. I'm Josie Flint. We are here to tell you that the Original Cast now has merchandise available for sale at bit.ly slash original cast store. There are t-shirts, tote bags, manic stickers, and coffee mugs. So get yourself, I can't, I have rehearsal t-shirt. Get a tote bag. I have a standard logo. Or a heretofore never seen alternative logo. Get a baseball shirt. Why a baseball shirt? Too bad. <laughs> Copy mugs. Please buy something. Because our dad is in the arts. Because our dad is in the arts. It gets cold at night. Cold at night. And we're hungry and cold. And adorable. Bit.ly slash original caster. Please buy things and support our dad. I have to say something more else. What do you want to say? I can't. I have a song. Why are you <laughs> doing this to me? Need a little Christmas now. Whenever my world falls apart. I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a multimedia artist, performer, comedian, and probably best known to you as a deputy editor and producer for the Broadway Beat. She's got three first names. It's Haley Jane Rose, everybody. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for being had. It's so lovely to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of the Broadway beat, as I hope everyone who listens to the show is, because it is, <laughs> if you like this show, it's kind of right up your alley. Uh, so I hope everyone out there is reading, uh, regular, regularly reading the Broadway beat, and we will certainly <laughs> talk about that and about your music and about all the other things you're into. Uh, but mainly, you're here to talk about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, 1992, Canadian Haley Jane, I had a day. I had a day. It's been a day. It's been a day. So yeah, just gang, it's been a day. It's been a day in the world, in America. If you Mm -hmm. follow me on Twitter, you can probably now guess what day this is that we're talking about. But (laughs) some people have made some decisions and it's just sort of, I guess we should be totally journalistically fair. We think they've made decisions. Yes. We're 99% sure they've made decisions and we're Mm -hmm. 100% sure we're not happy about it. But in the midst of all that, (laughs) <laughs> I sat down to listen to the this recording of Joseph and Haley Jane. It put me in a mood. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, you know, it's so funny because it sounds like the mood is negative for you. But boy, this album will turn my mood around in a good way. <laughs> so how did this record? I love the specificity, by the way, of it, of, of the Canadian which was a big, I should say, for those of you who weren't around in 1992, 93, this was a big album. This was the one, I think, 
I mean, people had the Jason Donovan uh, Palladium recording in my community theater group at the time. But also a lot of people had this one, I think because it stars Donny Osmond. Um, but it does have some some of my favorite versions of these songs on it, I should say. Uh, but I have to ask you, as I ask everybody, how did the Canadian cast version of Joseph come into your life? So I, I, this is the version I always knew. Um, the first time I ever heard of Joseph uh, was when I was 12 and I was in the children's chorus um, at Terrytown Music Hall for a production nice. of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Nice. Look at <laughs> yes, that. Yes, it was my first like professional show. Um <laughs> Didn't do too many more after that, but you know. Uh, <laughs> you peaked in <laughs> Then I became town. a professional clown. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the first one I did. And my mom was so excited because my mom like loved the 70s. And so she loved Donny Osmond. And so she showed me the movie. And mm. then and for learning the show, this is just the version that my cast listened to, I'm pretty sure. I think because mm. it was the most recent one, I, I think, at mm-hmm. the time. So this was always just the one I knew. And I actually didn't even know until recently when I was like, wow, I want to listen to Joe's coat again. And I had to really search for it because I didn't realize he did it in Canada specifically. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that's why it's my version, mostly because of my mother, because she had me watch the movie. Sure. Um, Oh, and it's such a treat. It's so campy. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the thing. It is, so my version bef- was the original Broadway cast recording, which I mm-hmm. still think is is the best. But you always mm-hmm. do. I think whichever one I've said before, and I'll say it again, whichever one you meet first is usually the one you think is the best. Definitely. Um, but I found myself sort of, so I got to say right off the bat, mm-hmm. and I put this on Twitter and you responded to it specifically. The fact that any dream will do is the second song. And that is not unique to this version. That is the sort of revival decision. Absolutely confounds me on every single level. Just I had no idea that it, there was a world where it wasn't on the soundtrack ones. And you know what? That makes me sad. <laughs> it is just, it makes no sense to me at all. Because it's the, for two reasons. One, it's the finale. And Mm -hmm. it's so clearly a closing song, the way it's Mm -hmm. written. You know, it has big wrap up energy. And but two, it's not like the big hit from this show. I do kind of understand when you're doing a show like this, if you have a a hit in it, you move it up in the order. So people know this is a song that's coming. This is but well, any dream will do is a song that people know. It is not the big like smash off this album at all. So I don't, I don't understand. I, I, again, picturing it without the song feels so weird to me. And again, didn't know that there was a world where this song was cut from the beginning. I like it because to me, it leads into that, like, um, storytelling aspect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, having seen the show from the children's choir, the first time I ever saw the show, I was literally on stage looking at the narrator. It just made so much sense to me. It's like, this is what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is everything you're going to see. And now we're going to do it for you. And then see, told you, this is everything you saw. <laughs> I, I don't know. I really like it because it's like, no surprises. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be a subtitle for this show. No surprise. 
because it is, I guess, because I mean, there's a couple of things that I, I would I, I sort of feel. The first is the momentum. The momentum of the prologue into Jacob and Sons like mm-hmm. is very organic to me. And suddenly, and again, this is mainly from having listened to the original cast recording right. first. But then like hard crashing into a downbeat number from a character we haven't met talking about a thing we haven't seen yet is a little bit, it's just, it's such a bizarre choice for a show that like, it's always (laughs) funny to me when authors do things like this. We're like, this show was a hit. It was a smash, but we're going to tweak it like (laughs) a lot in those, like for no discernible like i can't figure out why we would do it i just can't figure it and i really would just like to know i wish somebody would who made the decision would tell me like why that why they thought this was a great idea i'm sure they had a reason they i'm, I'm not sure, I'm yeah. sure it wasn't like arbitrary or it's like somebody screwed up you know the accompaniment one day and nobody was 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 like nobody, had strength, nobody had the strength to tell somebody that they were doing it wrong so they just kept doing it that way they did it for 12 year old Haley jane rose <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's gonna become reason. obsessed with this musical <laughs> sure which maybe it's again and again you know that's whatever the reason i guess that's fine the <laughs> other thing I, I gotta say like i am not a huge fan of the mega mix this thing which i know that's me being old that's just me being sure. like, i totally i totally could. because you know and you know why actually ultimately like today settled on it because it's mm-hmm. nine minutes long <laughs> like, it is just so long. This this I album think... has no business being seventy five <laughs> minutes long. And if you took that mega mix off, it wouldn't be sixty six minutes long. <laughs> I you know what I think all musicals should have a mega mix. <laughs> You're not. You are not even the first person to have been a guest on this podcast to say that to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Most of them, and, and most of those guests have done shows with mega mixes, which is a thing. Obviously, there was a period of time where this was like, and now yeah. the mega mix happens. And the reverse you're, overture. Yeah, you're just like <laughs> the I, not I, boring overture. I guess, as my wife would say, I hate fun. Like it just sort of seems to be like, what are we doing here, guys? Uh, well, I love fun, which I think is like <laughs> a huge reason why I still love this musical. Like, you know, I was a little dorky musical theater kid, like from birth until high school until college um and musicals came and went that i became obsessed with i was you know uh 12 or 13 when wicked came out and i was like this is my whole life this is my personality Mm -hmm. but then as i got older it got weeded out and all of those musicals that i was once like in love with kind of went to the went to the back of my brain but this always stayed like as the tops for me Joseph and oh, can I tell you another weird one that I love? Sure, please do. The wedding singer. Oh, okay. You're because not the first I person to say that either. Fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of I, I, that is not. I mean, I have a show I've heard, but I'm not terribly familiar with. But you are mm-hmm. you are not again not the first person to be a guest on the yes. show to tell me it's a really really good show. It's a um, great musical. Yeah, I I was like so listening listening to this, I was really struck because it is the Canadian cast. It feels. <laughs> It does feel like for a show that's already very campy, mm-hmm. like they really dialed the camp up to 11, like, like, you know, in, in a very specific way, like you make a photocopy of something, you know, cranking the, the contrast all the way up and then you sure. photocopy it again and crank the contrast again. And it's, it, it feels like 
every every choice feels too big on this recording to me, which is a show that calls for big choices, yes. like calls for broad choices and weird things. And it just at every turn, I was just like, man. And I was having fun when I was having fun because I will say yeah. the version I really like on this, mm-hmm. the song I really like, is the close every door. I think that Gorgeous. this version of Close Every Door is the best. If my life were important, I would ask, will I live or die? But I know the answers lie far from this world. Close every door to me. Keep those I love from me. that song which i do think is just so like hauntingly beautiful can be on the same album as one more angel in heaven <laughs> which uh, or benjamin calypso like oh man Haley jane i could spend the rest of the show talking about benjamin calypso because i gotta say like so can we we can agree it's the most problematic part of this show sure aging wise there that's the one i'd be like would we do that if it were written today probably not (laughs) because it's it it always i mean i've seen this show done on lots of different levels uh you know community theater productions professional productions i think it succeeds best in the community theater college you know that range i think it's which is Mm -hmm. what it was written for originally like that, that that's that fits but that is always a moment where like when when I've seen I saw a multicultural cast of kids do Benjamin Calypso once and I was like, yeah, okay. All right. I'm 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 getting this. I'm getting the sure. vibes here. It feels like kids putting on a show. It feels a little innocent, but like <laughs> to adults. Yeah. Are you Take me. Benjamin is I hear these steel drums sing their song. They're singing, man, you know you got it wrong. I hear the voice of the yellow bird singing in the tree. This is quite absurd. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's true. It's true. Benjamin is straighter than the big bamboo. No ifs. No ifs. No buts. No buts. Benjamin is honest as coconuts. Oh, baby, it's an earworm. (laughs) That's the other problem is it's incredibly catchy. Moving forward. Got to be careful with that Caribbean accent. (laughs) Feels very Um, boomer. But but speaking on the like the genre bending and like Mm -hmm. the the really like leaning into genre per song, I think that's like really big for me because some of what I do with the Broadway B is we have a um, a live show like every other month called mm-hmm. Act Three, where we write the very unauthorized third act of a musical that our readers vote on. And I do all the music for that. And so it's my job to write six new songs in the style of the show that already exists. And so it's like really having to lean in. We just did Beauty and the Beast and I had to lean into that like orchestral stuff that I had yeah. not done before. <laughs> and so I think like 
this show made me really comfortable with doing that and just like trying stuff <laughs> and leaning into the camp of it all. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, you can't, you can't not, especially if you're going to parody Alan Menken, you've really got to like, yes, you got to lean into your, your major chords. Uh, <laughs> very, very hard, but that's interesting. I, 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 so how did, it's obviously not a conscious thing. You sort of realizing, mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, this show is blending. When did you realize after listening to this over and over again, like, oh, this is a, a thing they're doing. They're, they're, mixing different musical styles together Um, this way i mean my mom told me okay (laughs) so like when i was a kid and we were watching it she's like and isn't it so fun (laughs) that one song's french (laughs) and the next is country right (laughs) and then there's elvis i'm like yeah it is that is elvis yes and my mom was my best friend so obviously Ah. she liked it i liked it sure (laughs) so that's where it started and i was conscious of it the the connection that it has to what I'm doing now is something that I newly discovered upon you telling me what musical and I knew right away it had to be Joseph. But listening all the way through, I'm like, yeah, this really tracks as to who I am as a person now. <laughs> so is it so have you always been attracted to this very eclectic things that things that mix a lot of different things together in that sense? Yeah, I like I like mixing. I I am a songwriter outside of um, theater and stuff, just regular. I'm a songwriter and uh, I don't like sticking to a genre. I just, mm-hmm. I think some stories are meant to be told uh, as a country song. Some stories are meant to be told as a hyper pop song. So yeah, I, I don't really have a genre, which mm-hmm. could have been from this too. <laughs> sure. Has that been, you, you, you've now hit on something that like, is a big thing with me, I think, because I wonder if you, have you found that to be challenging in terms of getting your stuff out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think as long as you're genuine and true to the story you're trying to tell, um, that's what matters first. I mean, that's a personal artistic statement, whether sure. it gets me money, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think there's there's ways to like, uh, you know, I'm working on an album with uh, my band, boy band right now, and we're recording a song and we're like, this one's really country. Is that OK? Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know what? Sure, because we're going to have one song on this album that is fully uh, like old Dolly Parton country song. And then we're going to have another that is a Wilson Phillips rock song. You know, what can you do? <laughs> there you go. No, that works. Someone will like it if they like it. <laughs> Yeah, it's something I, I I enjoy and I and I I strive to do in my own work, but I do find that if you can't be, I mean, pigeonholed is the bad expression for it, but if you can't be categorized, it can be really hard mm. for to break through to Absolutely. sort of be like you know, it's like, well, what does you do? It's like, well, I do everything. <laughs> is that an answer to the question? Like, you know, yeah, what's the thing? The, that the, the hyphen genre has really helped. <laughs> yeah. Which is some, and and there is a, obviously people love that. Uh, yeah. And again, this show like huge success, Joseph, like <laughs> and big, you know, done all over the world and done done very well in, in a lot of productions. So people do dig it, but they yeah. have to, you know, they're playing. What, what's so actually I found interesting. I wonder if you feel this way too, listening to it now, is I did sit there kind of going like, I wonder how much longer this Elvis thing is gonna make any sense to anybody. You know, because like country genre, sure, 
calypso music okay and even like the french genre of music you kind of go okay like i Got get it. yeah get it i can kind of get to it but like the fact that the pharaoh is elvis yeah like like are it, the 12 year olds in the children's chorus nowadays gonna know who that is get it without having <laughs> to be told i mean it's very easy right. to be told like well that's elvis like yeah. it's Elvis. And then showing somebody like, well, you see that costume we put the Pharaoh in? That's what Elvis used to look like. And that's how we used to sing. And it's like, oh, OK, I guess so. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> I remember seeing this show for the first time. And when with a group of people who maybe in the community theater with a group of people who maybe or maybe didn't know the show. But when like the king is announced and he pops out and he's wearing a white jumpsuit with a pompadour and big sideburns, that got a big laugh. Yeah. Just the <laughs> idea that the king is Elvis. Yes. That joke got a big laugh. I don't think you're going to coast on that joke, particularly now. Yeah, how many years do we have on on Elvis? Yeah. <laughs> I don't because I, I don't know. I don't I honestly don't know. Like, it is I don't know what people think about Elvis now. You know what? There's a movie coming out. There is a movie Elvis coming movie, out. So maybe we got another decade. You know, that's if very that true. Movie does well. That, if that movie does well. <laughs> Let's see. Well, is it, is, we'll see which Baz Luhrmann shows up. Is it Moulin Rouge or is it Australia? We will, we will find out <laughs> when we get there. The movie that gave Tom Hanks COVID is coming to theaters soon. Uh, <laughs> Lucky us. This is, I wonder, has a songwriter, so you write music and lyrics? I said, with you yes. Mm-hmm. So I, how do you feel about Tim Rice? <laughs> Just jump right in. <laughs> jump right in. Uh, well, I mean, I, I really mostly can speak from this musical and would need sure. like a refresher of his whole biography, but like um, bibliography rather. But uh, I mean, I love lyrics in this because it's storytelling. It's I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's cold storytelling. It's just like this is what happened. Now this is what happened. And the musical is also way funnier than I remember. Mm-hmm. Like I remember laughing as a kid, but now listening as an adult, I'm like, oh, that went over my head. Yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, there are jokes so, in this show. Yes, yeah. there are jokes. It's there genuinely jokes. funny. Yeah. Um, and I know someone on your Twitter did not understand the lyrics of "Any Dream Will Do," and I think they're beautiful. <laughs> I agree. Well, see, that's why I think moving it where you move it is a mistake, because mm. it is it, it is kind of a mumbly jumble song for me lyrically of nice imagery, you know. Yeah. Which for a closing number is fine it kind of you know wraps everything up it brings us back to the the as these and and i like the sort of cyclical nature of you know may i return to the beginning kind of vibes Mm -hmm. to it um but when you stick it in the front you you kind of expect it to be a song that's going to introduce the the ideas of the evening Mm -hmm. yeah something and it doesn't really do that you know it just kind of he's just sort of singing about I, I mean, his his coat flying away and him being left alone and I don't know what that means and it 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 doesn't it puts too much weight on it you know in a lot of ways for that yeah and and maybe I can't you know I I can't disconnect with it because mm-hmm. I've always known it this way and also because um when performing it and when listening again I always know it's coming so it's not like you know I I can't listen to it again the first time and know what that feels like because maybe if I could erase it from my memory and listen again I'd be like oh yeah why is that there but that's just how I knew it so it's hard it, it to is because it is it real, it's super hard it's really really hard I mean it, it's one of the reasons why to stick with another Andrew Lloyd Webber Tim Rice show why I hate the song in Jesus Christ Superstar could we start again please hmm. uh which was added 
after the original concept album, which is what I grew up with. And it feels like we've suddenly stuck a song in between two songs I really like that I'm like, oh, and this song goes into that song. And then it's broken up by this other song. And it just ticks my ear in the wrong way. Because it's also just like their other two shows, Superstar and Evita. This is this is the whole show. This is a sung through show this is the entire show you are you're hearing on this on this album yeah yeah this is the show which is i think yeah. is why i like it so much too because i can listen to the album and feel like i'm watching the show mm-hmm. it <laughs> i keeps can you picture right it in. all again yeah along with that even i you know i know this version in my head so well all of the blocking from when i was 12 <laughs> mm-hmm. and going along with this soundtrack because i could listen to the soundtrack and like rewatch the show in my head and recently I showed my partner the movie. I was like, oh, you got to watch it. It's so good. It's so good. And so like campy, you'll love it. And it was great. But I'm like, but they're missing that part. And they're missing that part. <laughs> so actually, don't hate it. Don't hate it. I swear the real one's really good. <laughs> what were they missing? Um, I God, think ages since like, I saw the movie. You know, it's just like the, the set's way more bare than I remember. A lot of mm. like things like that, which... I understand the choice because the whole the whole um, movie approach is that like you're watching it basically in like a school auditorium, right? <laughs> Which is very cool. I uh, yeah. just you know it doesn't live in my little Haley brain. <laughs> um, I think there's a weird reprise of um, Seven Fat Cows. I think that mm. happens in the musical that doesn't happen in the movie. Just sure. little little things I got hung up on. Same as when I showed my partner the wedding singer the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, but the musicals, the musicals so much better. Come on. I mean, I, oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Okay. So that's and actually I think it really kind of ties into a lot of what you guys write mm-hmm. in the Broadway beat really pins down on those little formative things. Yeah. There was one you guys like this popped into my head. Which, which isn't exact a, a tremendous example, but it but it, it 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 was just what you were saying clicked to me. It was the like landlord would act differently if he knew he was the villain in tenants uh, unpublished play, and it is really. <laughs> but it's such a like. What, what I think why that ticks for me is because it's it's the the way we like the kind of kid who loves theater is the overly dramatic intense like emotional sort of like as we all were i'm not excluding myself from this. oh yeah (laughs) this is where we were this is what we did and this is what we listened to while we were doing it Mm -hmm. and i think that it it is really true that that a lot of the stuff you guys put on the site is is why i love it so much is because it goes right to the core of like yes. who we are as theater people in a very oh way. i appreciate all that a lot yeah <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> and and we always say like yes we're here to poke fun at theater and mm-hmm. maybe make fun of some things sometimes but like at the end of the day we have to remember that we love this and as soon as it gets malicious and not fun, that's when we need to rethink what we're doing. Yes, which has to be a weird, like a weird tightrope to walk. Because, I mean, I think the meanest thing I've seen, at least from you guys recently, was the Elon Musk wants to buy company. He doesn't know what it is, but he knows he wants it. But that's fine. Yeah. You're punching at the right person. In that exactly. Situation. Yeah. That's always the question. It's, are we punching down on the right person? Yes. <laughs> the right people like we don't want to punch down on the cast that's in a show that's not doing well right now like 
they are on Broadway. They don't need to be shamed because their musical's not doing well or their yes. play's not doing well. Like, you know, what? how can we make fun of it in a way that doesn't punch down on them as people? Yeah, and it is, it, it also is, it has to have that, we're all laughing together at how silly this is. Because I actually, I wonder if you agree with this. Something I've said before on this show, and it's gotten, shall we say, mixed, mixed reception, mm-hmm. is the idea that I think, fundamentally musical theater is absurd. Yes. Okay, good. So (laughs) the, the whole thing is absurd and that's not to say it's bad. That's not to say it's not worthy. It's just like, cause like some of, and it's also not to say that it can't be dramatic. Some of my favorite musicals are are dramas, but it is just the, the shows that understand how silly this is inherently Mm -hmm. are the most successful. I agree. And, and make you feel the best where you're just sort of like, you know, like, oh, yeah, we all understand. This is nuts. Right. But now watch what I can do with how nuts this is, you know, and then I agree completely. Okay. Uh, and and I, you know, this musical being possibly the, the most Very, heightened version. Yes. Of this. Certainly absolutely. Of but um, uh, also another another artist who kind of I feel like comes from that same school of thought is uh, I love uh, Taika Waititi. Oh, sure. The, the director and writer. Yeah, yeah. I love everything he does. Mm-hmm. And I think he comes from that same school of thought. where, like, we're doing a movie and art movies. So silly. But also then when he touches on like the heavier, like more emotional things, like in Jojo Rabbit, um, mm-hmm. where it's very silly. And then it's so sad. It just hits so much harder. I think you can you can really get to an emotional core in in much more sneaky and devastating ways Mm -hmm. if you sort of lull the audience into a false sense of security by being like oh isn't this silly and isn't this absurd and oops i just pulled every heartstring you ever had yep you know and i don't know that joseph does that but it definitely does like i say we close close every door every door to me is a a real like it's a heart-wrenching song mm-hmm. and is inherently about faith you know what i mean it's about joseph's faith that he's he he has been promised as he says a land of his own and that's enough for him and he'll be fine like we're gonna mm-hmm. figure this out like i don't i don't love it but it is what it is um I do wish at some point he kind of thought to himself, I wish I hadn't been such a jerk to my brothers about how much better I am than them, but that's fine. We don't need to have self-realization. We don't need that. No, no, no. (laughs) It's so funny you say that because, you know, again, listening to this as I get older, I'll like fall into it like every year or so. I'll be like, oh yeah, I spent a minute. I got to listen to that album again. And every time I listen again, I'm like, yeah, Joseph was kind of a dick though, right? Yeah, like a little bit. (laughs) I dreamed I saw 11 stars, the sun and moon and sky bowing down before my star it made me wonder why could it be that i was born for higher things than you a post in someone's government a ministry or two i'm not saying they should have done what they did 
No, no, no. <laughs> but I understand why you maybe weren't the most popular kid at the dinner table. Like I kind of Yeah, did. you were the favorite and you talked about it. <laughs> yeah, like a lot. Like a lot, <laughs> you know. And like Jacob, again, like be a cool dad. Don't give your like your favorite yeah. son like a garish garment, maybe. Yeah. You know, and I think this is why this story is best told as like a story as like, yes, <laughs> as like, this is the story we're telling. You're not really like in the protagonist's shoes. Just like watch it unfold. Yes. <laughs> and it's hard to feel sympathy for a straight up jerk. <laughs> and why it doesn't stop. I think if at any point this thing like stops for dialogue, like real dialogue, I'm sure they're like, you know, there's little tiny exchanges here, and there, but like <laughs> yeah. really stop for a scene and you had a chance to kind of think about what was happening be like. This is nuts. Like, this is really like, I don't, I don't, I don't love this. I don't like what's <laughs> happening here. Like you say, I don't yeah. like this guy. I don't like his, I don't like anybody in this show. What are we, and, and, but you never have a chance. You absolutely never have a chance to, to stop and think. And that's fine. You don't have yeah. to. You just no, roll just right, right fun. straight through. <laughs> and it is really just fun. I think that's one of the things I, I, I felt about, about this version of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I will also say I have seven versions of this show in my collection. Wow. It, it's a lot. I'm not yeah. saying anyone needs to have seven versions of the show. <laughs> I had a, I had a, a, a guest, someone who actually didn't turn out not to be a guest, but wanted to do this show, but couldn't remember which version they had as a kid. They had one of the older versions. So I got like all these older versions and listened to them all, which is very interesting. If you like the show, it's a, it's a fun experiment. But yeah. I feel like the 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 something the recent versions he says these things are are 20 30 years old at this point 30 years old good lord patrick um it, they kind of have a wink and a nod to them mm-hmm. that I feel like is putting a hat on a hat in mm-hmm. some cases where the originals the older ones just sort of are much more like they're just sort of present like letting the genre changes, letting the the overt jokes do a lot of the heavy lifting. And these always feel a little more winky than mm-hmm. the older ones do. And that can be cloying, you know, if, if yeah. especially if you're used to the older one. Again, yes. like the, yeah. And, you know, some people love hats. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm one of those people. <laughs> Well, all right. It is. Um, there's no way to argue with that. <laughs> so that. Oh, Haley, get a T-shirt that says that. Haley Jane, that's just such a get a T-shirt. That's so good. <laughs> it's a hat on a hat, and some people love hats. Uh, <laughs> so, how did you? You said you did this show um, in the children's chorus, and then you did a couple other shows, and then you didn't really do shows after that. Is that what you said? Uh, I was exaggerating a bit there. Um, (laughs) No, no, I was I was always doing theater growing up. I went to college for acting. Um, Should I have? Well, you know, I don't know, (laughs) but I did. Too late now. Um, So, (laughs) but I I think um, musical theater started to get um, a little more complicated for me, like in my college years, because I just like I think musical theater didn't really want me and I knew that and <laughs> and I'm okay with it because now yeah. I get to play Belle in a real messed up version <laughs> for the, you know, 50 people who come to see the show. <laughs> no, but um, I still, I, I love musical theater, but um, I think I was, you know, I've done the auditions at, you know, 4 a.m. waiting outside like, wherever the heck right. <laughs> in the middle of Manhattan when I was 20. 
And I was just like, they don't really want my voice. And I think that's fine. And I just kind of like tapped out and I was like, I'm going to find a way to do musical theater again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think this is the capacity right now. So and inter- I did. <laughs> that I mean, it's interesting that so the, the guest on who was on before you, uh, Sophie Clark, who mm-hmm. is a poet now, talked about where she was in theater and dance and how she had a, a not a similar it wasn't really a self-revelation as much as she was sort of told um that she wasn't fitting the mold and mm-hmm. uh I, I find that like the more i talk to to people who have gone through music theater education or just theater mm-hmm. education yeah. it is a real problem i would say that we're not sort of accommodating all voices and encouraging all voices and types and styles into a career in musical theater. Now, like you say, and I think Sophie would says this as well in her episode, she doesn't feel like she lost a great opportunity of her life. And she was just, you know, like if if she'd loved it, she really would have stuck with it. But Mm -hmm. that having been said, (laughs) like we should be sort of, I I feel like we're we're kind of losing our individuals a little bit. And we absolutely are. Yeah. Totally. And uh, for me, it was specifically like um, I I do more like folk and more rock and stuff like that. That's where my voice is comfortable. And so like I would go out for those calls that would be like, oh, we're looking for like edgier rock voices for this. And I'd be like, okay, here, here I am. Here's a real one. Right. And And then then they would cast, you know, someone who had a great belt, but sounded like everyone else. And you know what? They sound great, but like, that's not what you asked for. Right. (laughs) So as soon as I realized, I was like, they don't mean that. (laughs) 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 You know, there's, yeah. Yeah. But also comedy found me. And doesn't that make so much more sense for the girl who loved Joe's coat? I like that you call it Joe's coat too. That's just, what we called it back that's in the back in the nine one four. Yeah, <laughs> we called it Joe's coat. We called it Joe's coat in Tarrytown. They call it Joe's coat. Yeah, so, that works. It. <laughs> yeah, it is really a. So, how did comedy find you? Um, uh, I mean, I should have realized way earlier that I was just a big old clown. Again, this was my favorite musical. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, high school, you know, I did the, I, I auditioned for straight acting. I was like, I'm going to be a serious actor. Mm-hmm. What the damn hell was I thinking? <laughs> I was always a goof. You know, I loved SNL. And, uh, before that I was like raised on all that. That was like mm-hmm. my life. Um, sure. and then eventually I, um, I, I went to university of the arts first that, didn't love it so much transferred to Marymount Manhattan and just have was roommates with some of the girls on the sketch team. Mm. And I was like, okay. So like little SNL you're saying I can try that and just fell in love with it. And, and it was just, yeah. so it was just that some like you just, it was a, yeah and you know i I think part of me still was like i'm going to be a serious actor and i was like i still can be (laughs) like i know how to do all that i did my meisner i did my suzuki workshops i did all that sure (laughs) but um this is what i'm doing now and uh, i'm sticking with it (laughs) well that's the third phase of your career after comedy as we all know is you do it like an intensely dramatic role and win an academy award isn't that the sort of like the the, the phase of a, com- a comedian. Absolutely. And aren't they always the best ones at it? <laughs> oh, they sure are. They shave their heads and grow a beard and do like yeah. you know, something, right? That's how you know. I can it. grow a beard. There you go. Sold. 
you don't have to grow it. They have CGI these days. You can just, you can just have it, you know, it, it, so that it, so when you, when you came to comedy mm-hmm. as a writer performer, did you find, did you find your music theaterness had a very natural home or did you have to sort of squirrel that away for a little while until, until you had an outlet for it? I actually think it was kind of a strength um, because one, a lot of, and and maybe I'm generalizing, but I've noticed a lot of comedians and sketch comedy performers who grow up only doing sketch or comedy don't have the um, stage presence. They really have to learn it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I notice a lot of people who come from the theater world and then transition to comedy immediately have that stage presence and little things like cheating out, like a lot of comedians I was on the team with, like, didn't know how to do that. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, OK. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then uh, recently in the past, like two years, I started writing musical comedy specifically. And I don't know what took so long, but <laughs> now I do. And I, I mean, I couldn't have done that without the years of singing and <laughs> ridiculous roles. Were you always very open about your music theaterness? Yeah. OK. Yeah. And I think um, maybe that's part of my personality. I think uh, you meet me and you can tell. (laughs) Oh, this girl was a nerd. (laughs) Something about this theater kid here. That's a theater (laughs) kid to me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think this girl played uh, Madame de la Grande Bouche in Beauty and the Beast once. (laughs) Once. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) I have the feel. She has that vibe to it. Yeah. We all have that vibe. After it's done. So how did the Broadway beat come about? So um, that's Zach Raffio, who is um, mm-hmm. my partner. And you're, I think you're going to speak with future him. Future guest on the show. Yes, absolutely. Future guest. Yes. Future guest. Uh, that was his idea. And he had it like in his, his little pocket for years. And he was like, you know, there should really be like a satire site. There should really be an onion for theater news. I think that'd be really good. But am I the person to make it like? you know, let's see. And then he'd wait a few months and then he'd say it again. And <laughs> like, there should really be a site. I think it could be really funny and niche, but I don't know if I should do it. I don't know. Am I the person to do it? And then several months again, and I'm like, <laughs> no one's done it. Right. Like you did it. So you're the person to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly no one is picking up this idea that you have not told anyone except me about. So like, you should probably <laughs> just do it. Yeah, and he did, and it uh, kind of blew up. <laughs> yeah, I well, because I think he was right. <laughs> he was right. It was an untapped market. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's yes, I I think musical theater. I mean, the concept alone, yeah, is really like yes, we all know that's goofy, bursting out into song mid scene to make your point. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nuts. I love it. Yes. I love it. And I, I do think you have to uh, approach it with some levity, even even more serious musicals. Otherwise, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's <laughs> the like the reason I think that, you know, like the most serious musical that I can think, you know, one of like quintessentially serious musical like Les Mis. Yes. Also is incredibly silly. And I don't yeah. mean the Tenardiers. I mean the like, if you watch the Tony's performance, the like Les Mis March, that like March in place thing that they patented that became a parody. Yeah, the big waving of the flag, <laughs> the big performances, the large costume. Like it mm-hmm. is incredibly silly. And I will cry like a baby at six yes. different moments in that show. <laughs> Still, yeah. 
since I have, since I was seven, you know, like it's just always been the way it's going to be. And yeah, it is the, the, the joy of this, the glory of what, mm-hmm. of this whole art form is right there mm-hmm. in that like incredibly yeah. silly moment. And in, you know, in listening to this recording, even as much of like, as a grump as I was being, and <laughs> even though I will still say like, I don't think this is the best recording of the show I've ever heard, but mm-hmm. like, I, that, you know, that's totally fine. I yeah. do find myself in moment, like really admiring moments. Like I gotta say an underrated moment in the show for me is grovel, grovel. Ugh. The way grovel, grovel is constructed musically mm-hmm. and lyrically and the way it kind of all plays together and the like Joseph's lines over top, which are a total bop, but get yes. like overdone by this grovel grovel. Thing. It's just, I, I think it's a great moment. Totally. And it, every time it came up when I listened to this recording, I was like, yep, that's great. Yeah. That's absolutely great. How do I know where you come from? You could be spies telling me that you are hungry. That could be lies. How do I know who you are? Why do you think I should help you? Help me. Yes! Why on earth should I believe you? I've no guarantee. Trouble, trouble, it's goofy but like there are there are some lines still that absolutely just like uh, hit me in the gut mm-hmm. the right way i mean like the the opening lines of some folks dream of the wonders they'll do before their time on this planet is through some just don't have anything planned they hide their hopes and their heads in the sand and then the verse after that come on (laughs) yeah and she's just talking to a bunch of kids (laughs) yeah which is really like strikes me in a way that's so emotional for me and it's it's absolutely genuine true and and i mean earnest and earnest in all the right ways Mm -hmm. um it's also love wonderfully naive this mm-hmm. this this record you know this show in general and in a way that i think that i mean again andrew Lloyd weber and tim rice are excellent examples of two people who started very naive and very open and very mm-hmm. like we, they had an idea and they created these shows that were very traditional but very non-traditional yeah at the same time and then at some point because i tell you what like with andrew Lloyd weber I think the show that was his ultimate undoing creatively mm-hmm. is cats because, <laughs> sure. which I got to say, not, you're not going to hear me hate on cats. You're, I, I think cats yeah. is, it's is, not worth arguing with the people who love it. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's also not worth arguing with the people who don't love it. Like I feel right. like cats because cats is, I'm going to say something. It's going to sound like an insult, but I mean, it as a compliment. Cats is nothing like it's absolutely <laughs> nothing. That's what makes it great though. It's just, yeah. A, it's just a cabaret entertainment. Mm-hmm. And anytime you try to make it something like the motion picture, it absolutely crumbles under its own weight because it's nothing. And I think yeah. that that that's that Lord Andrew uh, really thought Cats was something like he just mm. fundamentally. And then ever since then, all his shows after that had this very self-serious kind of thing to it because he was also right. Like he thought the show would be a huge hit. Everybody thought he was wrong and it was massive. So like, yeah. 
he's correct, you know. And then of course he did go on to write Phantom, which is also nothing, but in a very different kind of kind of nothing <laughs> in that sense. Uh, and I miss his whimsy that I have yeah. in these first three shows. Even Evita, which is very like can be very heavy, mm-hmm. has a general kind of like we're just putting on a show, man. Kind of whimsy. Vibe Bring whimsy back. Maybe he just needs a narrator. Like maybe that's the <laughs> yeah. big problem. Because all his best shows have narrators. Mm, and, you mm. know, so maybe we just need a, na- he needs somebody who can step out in front of the audience and be like, listen, we all know this is incredibly silly, but like I'm singing a song here that's like a huge hit. So you maybe want to sit up a little mm-hmm. bit and like pay attention. <laughs> and then they go yeah. off and they do whatever, you know, no narrator in Phantom. Would it be better? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think what that would be like. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. I don't, <laughs> I'll, yeah, Ooh, man. Anyway. Phantom for the Broadway B Act Three, Phantom of the Opera will add a narrator. Well, was, so could you do an Act Three for Phantom since they wrote the greatest <laughs> musical sequel of all time? <laughs> With love Probably never not. dies. <laughs> because it would have to take place right in between, like the curtain just, and then the curtain up. <laughs> I love the idea of like you couldn't if you were to write a parody sequel to Phantom. <laughs> you wouldn't go as far as they did with the real one. <laughs> like you wouldn't no. ever. You'd, I can imagine you sitting around in a pitch session being like, so like, what if the Phantom and Christine had a baby? Oh, that's <laughs> weird and gross. Yeah, That's weird and gross. Let's not do that. That's weird and gross. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andrew's like, no, yes, actually, that's, that's, that's what happened. That's, uh, that's what happened. And, and that's what we're going to write about. And it's at Coney Island. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Andy, my dude, you've, you've lost the plot in a serious way. How? It's about cats. I want to talk to you about your music uh, a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, so clicking around your website, yeah. as, as I want to do. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I was uh, really struck by, you know, since you have Broadway beat writing, you have mm-hmm. other comedic writing. Yeah. Um, and all that. But then you have your your music, both your, your, your sort of music you've done by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also the stuff you've done with your, your group boy band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really um, eclectic and yeah. interesting. <laughs> and uh, it, re- but it really like in the best way took me aback because I did not see it coming. It oh, was that funny, you. like, yeah. And I mean that as, in, as in, in the best way, like, so like, for example, and I introduced you this way, I introduced you to someone just, three first names that is a song uh-huh. that you wrote and and is yes. on your available on your website but when you see a song called that written by and performed by you i yes. expected it to be a certain kind of song you know i expected sure. it to be and while it is rye i mm-hmm. will say it is not a comedy song it is not a no. novelty song it is a <laughs> song it is a genuine song about some stuff i got three first names and a champion party i've got four dollars to my name so i'm a failing up I'm working through my bruises and my shady credit And aren't you an actor still? At least I think I read it You say no the words to my music But if I had any good truth I'd use it I got three first names That's all he really knows about me But I can talk to pretend to be so how do you, where, where does that come into your comedy UCB Broadway beat? Oh self? boy. 
Um, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think it all stems from like any any art I intake or music I intake. I I like some levity and mm-hmm. um, I I like a lot of different genres. I love like classic country and some classic country like uh, is is devastating and mm-hmm. also so funny. They all crack jokes. All those old country singers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I loved, uh, Lily Allen growing up and a lot of those like kind of brattier British pop artists and they Mm -hmm. were all very funny, um, but also had real stories to tell and real songs to sing. So, um, when I'm writing a song, I'm not trying to be funny per se, but I think, um, you know, it's uh, usually my voice and my voice usually has a a sense of humor to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sometimes a joke will come out. Do you ever have to to rein it in when mm, you're doing that kind of thing? I don't think I've ever written something so goofy that I've had to be like, no, 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 that's a comedy song. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah. Because it's just whatever's going to, again, serve the story the best. So is that how you approach songwriting is, is, the, mm-hmm. is as a storyteller? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Do you have definitely. to have a story to write a song or do you do you like sit down and pick around and then sort of something will emerge I in general yeah I've got to have a story even if it's not my own um like you know I'll write with boy band and sometimes it won't be something that personally happened to me because I'll be like I'm one person I only have so many stories to tell um so I'll make one up and tell it from Mm. that person's perspective because um, you know, how many ways can I tell you that I'm me? <laughs> sure. It might run out. So I use other people's stories. But uh, again, I think about the person singing this song. Um, how would they tell their story? Mm-hmm. And I want it to be genuine to this fake person I made up. <laughs> yeah, it has that. I, 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 I found that when I was when I was listening to it, that it seemed like a lot of character songs. It has your, your music, both the, the solo stuff and with boy band has a not necessarily in a musical equivalency, but in a style equi- like writing equivalency for me with like Ben Folds, where oh, it is wow. very, but like, he does the same sort of thing where these are, the songs are all character constructions. The songs are mm-hmm. all from a point of view, um, which I rarely think is him, you know, maybe in early in his career, but like, I think yeah. especially in the second half of his career, it's been a lot of, of uh, just characters he makes up, like you say. And I think that I, I got that vibe listening to to your your, your stuff. It was uh, it was it was really it was a great find, and I was excited to. Thank you, I appreciate it, that. It's like turning, you know, it's like when you turn the page and something like, oh, there's a whole other thing here. This is so so interesting. <laughs> Did not expect to see this. <laughs> it was yeah, I like hats. I like baskets. <laughs> I put a lot of eggs like fingers, in a lot of I baskets. I like pies. I like a lot of you know. <laughs> yeah, pies. I like hats, them better together. Baskets. Right. <laughs> Hats and baskets. <laughs> I got them all. Story. There you go. <laughs> uh, but I do have to ask, as I ask mm-hmm. everybody, what is your favorite song in this Joseph recording? Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's so tough. And I should have prepared. Um, <clears throat> I will. You know, I can give you the caveat of what is your favorite song today? You don't have to make a, a grand. Oh, great. Statement. Um, some so I will say some days it's the prologue. I just find it so beautiful. Um, I love the prologue and obviously like 
those themes come back later in the show. So I feel like I can cheat and be like, yeah, I like the prologue. And when it comes back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I also I love seven fat cows. Um, really? Oh, there is. Well, because I have to tell you, there's part of me that wants to play the king. Sure. It's a great uh, part. So Why wouldn't if you? anyone is putting on Joe's coat or Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat and uh, wants to try out uh, a king done as a drag king. <clears throat> sure. Why not? <laughs> would be my answer. It's a great part. It's one of the best parts in the show. You're not in the Heck first yeah. half. You come out for a big mm-hmm. star number. You're in it for like three or four songs and then you're done. It's great. And that was all my musical theater roles when I was. <laughs> They're the best parts. <laughs> they are the best parts. They really are like featured roles. Like the best parts, best parts mm-hmm. of the show. You get a lot of time off. You get a big hand when you come out for the curtain call. Cause they're like, Oh, you right. We yeah. love what you did. You don't have any of that. You know, you don't have to be at all the rehearsals. You have a lot of good mm. downtime. It's great. It's the best jobs, uh, best jobs in theater. Yeah. But uh, if you ask me tomorrow, could be a different set. Oh man. Sure. Totally fair. <laughs> You've had the show with you forever. So for a long time. <laughs> easy enough. Oh God. Haley Jane, this was so great. It was so this great. This was so fun. So much fun. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Should they choose? Oh to? boy. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Haley is famous. Uh, H-A-L-E-Y is famous. Uh, I'm not yet, but if I say it enough, <laughs> Um, or you could uh, find my music Haley Jane Rose on Spotify or Boy Band on Spotify and the Broadway Beat follow the Broadway Beat well I was wandering along the banks of the river when seven fat cows came out of the nylon oh yeah and right behind me spine held the animals came seven other cows skinny and bylaw oh yeah well, the thing has ain't the fact as which I thought would do them good, uh-huh. But it didn't make a batter like I thought a monster's supper should. Well, the thing has ain't the fact as which I thought This dream has got me baffled, hey, Joseph. What does it mean? The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for t-shirts, tote bags, magnets, and more. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Haley Jane Rose for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Hey, 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 Joey. Won't you please tell a I understand the bit about the corn, but I'm not quite sure about the cows. So I was wondering if you could tell me just one more time, Mr. Mr. Farrell, Farrell Man, please. Hey, hey.